0: Basic Bible 101. I'm Margie Smith and I will be leading us through our uh, lesson today. We are on Lesson 8 of the New Testament. If you are new to Basic Bible 101, I want to encourage you to go back and start with the Old Testament if at all possible, or at least the beginning of the New Testament, so that you won't be lost in what we're talking about. Last podcast, we talked about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and all that that entailed, all that happened at that time, and what it means for Christians today. Today, we are going to start with the book of Acts, and really we will be covering the book of Acts for the rest of the uh, New Testament podcast, more or less, until we get to the book of Revelation. Now you may be thinking, well, wait a minute, there's a lot of other books in the New Testament, and you are right. What is going to happen is that as we cover the book of Acts, we will... Uh, be introduced to new characters, and those characters are the ones that wrote the the letters that are Galatians, Ephesians, and quite a few of the books in the New Testament. And so we will cover them as they were written, at least as best as we know when they were written. There are a few books that were written by some of the apostles we've already met, Peter, James, Uh, John, and those are towards the very end of the New Testament, and so we will cover those after, those will be the only ones we really cover after the book of Acts. So if you have a chance, it's probably a great idea to go ahead and read through all of the book of Acts, but certainly we will be referring to it as we go along covering the other books. For today, we are going to start with the very beginning of the book of Acts. Now, if you remember last podcast, we talked about how Jesus appeared to many after his uh, resurrection and that he ended up in the first chapter of Acts. We see him being taken up into heaven, kind of disappearing behind a cloud. And the disciples are told to wait in Jerusalem for a special gift that's going to be given to them. Now, the disciples do not know what to expect, but they do obey and they stick around Jerusalem. But remember, that's not their home. Their home is in Galilee and up further north. So they remain there and they uh, come together and pray. And one day while they are meeting together... Um, they have this experience. It's This begins in chapter 2, and let's begin by looking at Acts 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 13 just to give you an idea of what um, is going on. Okay, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now let me explain. Pentecost was a Jewish uh, celebration, one of their festivals that they Uh, had each year and it's sometimes called the festival of weeks the uh, festival of reaping, the day of the first fruits Uh, it was given a specific day and it was so many days after um, the Passover, the second day of the Passover so I think in fact it was 50 days because penta for 50, 50 days after the second day of Passover traditionally it was the day that they uh, looked back at uh, Moses giving them the law, and so uh, it was a big celebration and also a way of um, uh, giving a uh, offering regarding the first fruit that the fest that the um, harvest would be successful, the crops etc. So you can see what's going on that the disciples are in Jerusalem at this time. Now this is another one of those festivals where they travel, what they call a pilgrimage festival, where they travel to. Jerusalem. So people from all parts of the world who were Jews would come to Jerusalem for this event. And as we are seeing here, um, the disciples are up praying, and let's continue on. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, and when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Uh, Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language. Now, remember, they have their uh, Jews from uh, Rome, from Egypt, from Mesopotamia. Some of them are Arabs. They are all hearing the disciples preach to them in their particular language and so this is quite strange for them they can't figure out who are these men and how is it that they can speak to me since they are Galileans they and they're not schooled and yet the disciples are just uh, overwhelmed with this um, this ability this spirit that has just filled them up now there are a lot of questions about this speaking in tongues that's what um, the religious world now calls this experience, the experience of Pentecost, of uh, preaching in tongues. In other words, the ability to uh, speak um, different languages that you have not learned. Uh, There are several different thoughts on this, and I'm not going to get into the difference between the different religions and which ones believe this way or that way. Just to say that It was uh, definitely a gift that was used to spread the gospel quickly among uh, people of other countries. And uh, the disciples, these were actually languages that people understood. Paul later talks about, who we'll get into uh, in our next podcast, later talks about uh, speaking in the language of men and of angels. So there are some who believe that that when we have the gift of the Holy Spirit filling us, we will be given the gift of speaking in tongues, which is not a tongue that, uh, not a language. I guess you could say speaking in languages, and it may be a heavenly language. Um, that is for you to decide and, and ask your pastor about in your church or do some more research on. Uh, some people believe, uh, that our Christians believe, that this gift ceased with the apostles Others believe that is very active even today. Um, personally, I believe that uh, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are given to us—not just speaking in tongues, but all you know, the ability to heal, which we'll talk about here in a minute, and many other gifts—are the ability to preach and teach the way these guys were able to um, are given to all Christians everywhere for our time as well. But believe me, it's up to you to research that because it takes some time to kind of. D- um, weigh the different verses and see if this is really um, true. My own personal belief about speaking in tongues is that if you, if that is something that you are gifted with and God talks to you about and, uh, and allows you to use for His good, then uh, there are also uh, ways to use that gift um, that Paul outlines uh, later on in his book, um, several of his books, but in specifically in 1 Corinthians. So uh, that is what we talk about when we talk about speaking in tongues. It seems to be quite a mystery because uh, churches that are Pentecostal, and you see where they get that name, Pentecostal, from this speaking in tongues, um, tend to be very outwardly demonstrative of the Holy Spirit. They can experience uh, feelings of... Uh, immense pleasure giddiness able to run around just speaking in all kinds of strange language, uh, strange uh, utterances and even something they call slain in the spirit where you just fall back just so power, uh, overwhelmed with the power of the Holy Spirit all of that is not something that I personally practice but I think I am not willing to say that it's not of God I just think that God works in different ways with different people but remember as with everything in Scripture that we're especially that we see in the New Testament there are those who proclaim to be Christians and act uh, in ways that Christians would act and teach things that are not true teachings. So check everything out with scripture. And uh, for whatever persuasion you end up following, if, if uh, as you grow as a Christian, you feel more um, of the Holy Spirit just filling you and allowing you to do miraculous things, then uh, find out how to use those gifts that God gives you uh, in a way that honors Him and is does not become a personal... Um, sense, uh, what would you call, a messenger of, of Satan to actually uh, create pride in you and to, to create destruction. And even the best intentions can be used in the wrong way. Okay, so that's what's happened. They, they've had this indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now the crowds that are hearing them that can't figure this out, some people are saying, well, they must just be drunk because they're giddy and they're kind of just acting so funny and being able to just, you know, uh, speak and laugh and goof around because it was really a very wonderfully good uh, experience for the apostles and so uh but peter jumps up and he says hey we're not drunk it's only nine o'clock in the morning we are just filled with the spirit of god so he proceeds to describe who jesus was why he came uh, and that everything that um, they are able to do now is by the holy spirit that comes from jesus Peter begins to speak um, an eloquent sermon far beyond what he would have been able to do as just a common fisherman. And as he's preaching, it is a Abundantly apparent that it's not just him speaking; that there there is a Holy Spirit that is speaking through him to the crowds, and because of that, people are in awe and so stricken with what he says. The rest of the uh, book or uh, chapter of Acts two talks about how, how what he describes about who how Jesus was the one that was prophesied by David, and that he is now at the right hand of the Father, and. Uh, through that the people are just so overwhelmed that they begin to say what what brothers what should what should we do how how do we get this to and peter replies in verse 38 uh, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the spirit uh, Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So we see that Peter is giving an invitation to all those who, up until this point, either hadn't heard about Jesus or didn't maybe saw him and heard what was going on but didn't believe um, the truth about him. And so, because the Holy Spirit has just reached out to these people through Peter's words and drawn them in and they want to be saved. So that's what's happening here. And in in, as a result, the early church grows very quickly, uh, adding to their number really thousands uh, so that they now um, have to come up with some kind of organization. And so what we see is that some of the members that uh, joined the church were poor. They're from other parts of the country. Some of them were Jews and and as soon as their uh, Jewish family discovered that they'd become a Christian they pretty much excommunicated and they didn't want anything to uh, have anything to do with them some of them um, therefore were just cast out and had nothing some of them were fired from their job for believing in Jesus and so um, what happens is that the other believers they they come together like one giant family and begin to share with each other and so we see in the early church just an abundance of giving and generosity to their fellow believers. Um, When we see this take place, the people are almost together all the time. It says that daily came together and um, prayed together. Um, Verses 42 and 43 Uh, say they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread to prayer everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles okay so what we now see is that these apostles remember they're the twelve that Jesus pretty well separated out only one of them is missing which is Judas who uh, took the money to uh, betray Jesus and as it turns out he ends up Uh, buying a field and then uh, killing himself in the field and so really there's only eleven disciples and these eleven which we will refer to as the apostles they're a little bit separate than all the other disciples that that ran with Jesus now the thing is the there were many other uh, believers who followed Jesus throughout his entire ministry from the very beginning and we'll see that here in a little bit when they go to replace the position that Judas had uh, because they're, they can pick from several different uh, individuals who were part of the early believers. And so uh, we see that um, Peter and John are just given tremendous abilities. They happen to be walking along in chapter 3 to um, going into the temple. And as they're heading in there, there's a poor beggar that is lame and he just sits at the gate. has He's a 40 years old. He's been lame all his life and is sitting there and Peter just comes along and and kind of turns and looks at him. And the man thinks, you know, the beggar thinks he's going to give him some money and uh, kind of asks him for money. And Peter says, well, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus uh, Christ, rise. And so he helps the guy up. His legs and feet are immediately healed. And he can walk, not only walk, he can run around and dance. And he just goes into the temple with Peter and John praising God for what has just happened to him. Now, I don't know if you can even imagine what it would be like to be afflicted with some ailment for all of your life and to suddenly have that ailment healed. But the excitement that overflows from this man is just contagious to the crowd within the temple. And a lot of people are talking about this miracle. And word gets back to the religious leaders, the same ones that arranged to have Jesus crucified. So uh, the early church now is looked at with great suspicion. Um, as I mentioned earlier, as the group, the number of people grew and grew, more people hear about this, they they want to, to experience the Holy Spirit, and so they come and become believers. And as this is happening, uh, and I mentioned earlier, there were uh, some people who were poor widows, particularly widows, uh, who had no one to care for them would come to the church, and because the people were so generous with each other, um, hoping that they would be able to get some help as well. And so what they do at the time is um, decide that, okay, we need a little more organization here. First they replace... Uh, the position that was held by Judas they cast lots among some of the men who had been with Jesus from the beginning and choose one named Stephen who will become important here in just a minute and uh, he becomes the next Apostle Uh, then they decide you know what we need some people who um, are not going to be out preaching and teaching who were just responsible for organizing the helps that we can provide to the people the believers Uh, so they choose deacons and that's where you've heard the term deacon well that's what they named these helpers of the early church and there's been controversy of whether they're just women or just men or or men and women or you know who who are these we see some of them named um, philip being one of them and we'll talk about him a little bit later as well but their primary role is to help out the people Um, Today, deacons have many different roles in different churches, and it depends on which church you're going to, how the deacons function. Some of them are more of a um, governing board. Some are more of a uh, ministry board where they reach out and help families in need. Uh, So find out what your church believes on that, or if they have deacons at all, because many churches don't have deacons at all. Okay, and so through these uh, deacons, help was given to people that had need. They were responsible for collecting the gifts from um, believers who were trying to donate and for distributing them. And at the time, there is a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, which we see just a brief little glimpse about in Chapter 5 of Acts, who sell their um, property, but they kind of conspire together to just keep some of it, just, just some of the money and just give the rest which it was fine for them I and mean, it was their money they could keep it or not give but they decided to pretend like to tell everybody oh no we're giving all the proceeds to the church um, so it's a pride issue primarily and also a, a dis- deception and so when they come to the early to the church um, deacons or whoever they come to and uh, make this offering um, the Holy Spirit just tells Peter, hey, that wasn't all the money, and so Peter confronts Ananias, and Ananias says, oh no, this is all the money, and, he's, and he says, you know, it was your money to begin with, you didn't have to give it, and now you've come and lied to, to the Holy Spirit. So here's the deal. We need to be very careful about lying to God because God knows. And if you think you can get away with stuff, believe me, you cannot. What happens with Ananias is he's immediately struck dead. Boy, severe penalty, I would say. And a few hours later, his wife comes in and she... She tells the same story, probably looking for her husband. And they say, well, hey, the, guy that, the guys that carried him out of here are going to carry you out of here too. And so she is also struck dead. So there's a great fear of the power of the early church um, leaders, the apostles, um, the deacons, those who, through whom God is working. Now, all of the believers end up being able to share and teach, which we will find out because they will um, end up all over the world. And the same gifts that were given at that time uh, in the way of teaching and, and uh, being able to um, you know, help others, there's lots of different gifts. Uh, that, in fact, we'll learn more about those when we get into Paul's letters. But... Um, All of those were distributed among all the people so that many of them had different gifts, uh, one kind of a gift or another, and those gifts were used together to build up the body. Okay, so now we're going to get to the point where one of the the ones that were chosen to be a deacon, they chose seven deacons, and his name is Stephen. And remember I mentioned him a minute ago that he would become a pivotal figure. If you look in Chapter 6 of Acts, we learn about... Stephen he is wise and just filled with the Holy Spirit and has great insight and just begins to preach all that God has uh, done for the people and and all that um, you know how to be saved and uh, he receives an awful lot of criticism for this Uh, just as Peter and John had been thrown into prison at one point and then released and then, uh, you know, the, the religious leaders really just don't know what to do with these guys. And so now we see Stephen who's preaching and um, the the high priest begins to ask him questions. You know, he says, it looks like these people have charges against you that you are um, saying that uh, blasphemous things about Moses and the law. And really what, Peter, what uh, Stephen was preaching was that when Jesus came, he wiped out the law as far as... Uh, its hold on us, its ability to keep us from God, because once we uh, believe in Jesus and uh, f- are filled with His Holy Spirit, we are uh, no longer um, under the law, no no longer bound by the restrictions that the law had upon people, the having to sacrifice animals and so forth. And so this high priest considers these things that he's talking about um, as just really kind of blasphemous and so uh, Stephen continues to preach and what he does when when asked about this he's dragged in front of the Sanhedrin and as he's asked about this he um, begins to tell uh, preaches a sermon which is a litany of what has happened since you know throughout the Old Testament about how Jesus was the culmination of everything God was trying to do with his people from the beginning. So if you want a quick review of the Old Testament, you can read chapter 7 in Acts. He pretty well hits it on the head, all the highlights. To think that you might have to listen to all those podcasts instead of just reading chapter 7, of course there's a lot of details uh, in the Old Testament, but this will give you a real quick review. And, of course, Stephen is preaching this to people who know. They know this. And they're hearing him recite everything they hear him saying they agree with until he gets to this part where he talks about Jesus. Turn to uh, verse 51 of chapter 6, and we'll see what incites the people so um, furiously against Jesus. Stephen he says you stiff necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears you are just like your fathers you always resist the Holy Spirit was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute they even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one the here he's referring to John the Baptist and he says and now you have betrayed and murdered him you who um, you who have received the law that was put into effect through the angels but have not obeyed it so what they're saying is that you are responsible for killing Jesus Christ, the the prophet that was to come to bring our salvation. Um, now the the members of the Sanhedrin are at this point beyond anger; they are outraged. But Stephen has a face that's as calm and relaxed. He said it looked like the face of an angel. And more and more, the crowd around him, the Sanhedrin crowd, uh, is dragging him, begins to drag him away. And they cover their ears. They start yelling at the top of their voices. They won't bear to hear this. Uh, it's hard to imagine words that could incite such uh, reaction in people that they were so offended and, and mad about what he was saying that they were guilty of sacrificing of um uh, crucifying uh, the son of god that they they just won't hear it and so they drag him out and they pick up stones and on the way while they're starting to stone him uh, stephen just looks up to heaven and says lord jesus receive my spirit then he fell on his knees and cried out lord do not hold this sin against them when he had said this he fell asleep so he died um But his last words were one of forgiveness for the people offending him and uh, that God would uh, receive his spirit into heaven. Now, at the time, there's a young uh, Jewish young man, um, a Pharisee, uh, named Saul. And Saul is holding everybody's coats while they're running off, dragging off um, Stephen and getting ready to um, stone him. And so he watches the stoning take place. In fact he is um, so supportive that he begins his own little crusade of going into houses and dragging out people who profess to be part of the way. The way being what they called these new Christians because they lived in a way that was so foreign to the Jews that were there at the time and so because they they lived with such love for one another with such um, compassion so filled with the spirit that they would term them that these were people men and women of the way and so um, Saul just decides that he can't stand this and uh, he is just going to start his own little vendetta against these people. Now, chapter 8, there's a story about Philip, remember he's one of the deacons, who is preaching uh, up in Samaria, and the Holy Spirit tells him he needs to go down to this other little road kind of along the seashore, and as he's heading that way, he sees an Ethiopian in a uh, chariot, and the Ethiopian happens to be reading scripture and so the philip kind of goes up to him and says do you understand what you're reading and and the ethiopian says how you know how can i understand if no one teaches me so philip proceeds to explain to him the scriptures all that has been taught about god through the law and then the culmination of it in jesus christ so the ethiopian wants to get saved and he says to philip you know can I be baptized? And Philip looks around and there's a little puddle of water. And he says, sure. So he baptizes him right then and there. And as soon as he's done baptizing him, Philip just disappears. He ends up, the next thing he knows, he's in a completely different town. But the Ethiopian goes on home and, we presume, shares the gospel with his country back there. What happens as the, the different believers are being Persecuted, They're being drug out of the house, like I mentioned, by this guy Saul. So much so that Saul even goes to other cities in the area uh, looking for these people of the way. And so the believers scatter. They decide that um, the time has changed for them. They are now under great persecution, and so they need to leave Jerusalem. And so they head out. And as they go, they go to uh, Judea, Samaria, and all throughout the... Um, Israel and even further north some all the way down into Egypt they just um, and as they go they bring with them their uh, philosophy their beliefs their um, love for people their desire to share the gospel and they do so the gospel is spread quickly throughout all of the known world then at least through all of the known Israel and down into through uh, Egypt now this man Saul, who's chasing down the members of the Way, we're going to learn more about him next week because he, or in the next podcast, because he has a an encounter with God in person. So uh, we see that uh, it won't be very long before he's singing a different song. All right. So things to remember from today's lesson: um, the Holy Spirit is real. And it can change your life. And if you pray and ask God to give you his Holy Spirit, he will. Uh, believers become family. That's why we refer to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And and it's because there's a oneness of um, just the Holy Spirit that draws us together. Uh, three, you may be asked to suffer for your faith as these many of these believers did that were thrown into prison or beaten and then the believers because they scattered um, because of the persecution the gospel spread throughout all the area so sometimes when there's hardships and things that happen that force you into a different mode um, it's because there's something that needs to be done that can only be done uh, by you going through this experience and uh, I'll let the Lord lay that on your heart as he will. So, okay, if you have taken the uh, New Testament uh, quiz, the first quiz over Jesus, which is on the website, then um, there uh, are answers to that, quest- that quiz uh, in, uh, in the special student section. So I want to encourage you to go to that. Um, other than that, uh, we are going to pause for today and take it up with the next podcast uh, where we will see this young man, Saul, um, just really causing all kinds of problems, so much so that people are very much afraid of him. Okay, but until next time, I want to encourage you that if you need some resources, you can find them at the Basic basicbible101.com po- um, website. There's also a blog if you have other questions and things you want to ask. That would be a good place for that. That can be found at basicbible101.blogspot.com And of course you can email me, Margie, M-A-R-G-I-E, at basicbible101.com and I would welcome your comments, questions, or whatever. Thanks so much for listening and until our next podcast, may you be blessed.